Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at Sardis Fellowship. To find info on our speaker and series, please check the podcast description. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! Last week with Pastor Dave's message, he took us to Romans 12, and he talked about not losing your spiritual zeal, uh, your desire for walking with the Lord and serving the Lord. And so we've already been kind of challenged with a new year and kind of like a reset and thinking about how is our walk doing with the Lord, and I'm kind of weaving together a a few ideas. You could choose lots of things, but today's going to be on marriage, Um, so I've titled it Me and My Marriage. And uh, we have our guest speakers who are going to be, I think I just heard someone say, oh, goody, under their breath. Did I just? (laughs) We need to. We need to. We all need to. Even if you're not married, it's it's good to be talking about these things. Um, But the way in which we're going to deal with today's topic is through hearing from uh, friends of ours, Tristan and Lucretia Clausen, good friends of ours. Um, and to hear about their story, but it's, it's not just things that we can learn if you're married. There's things in here for everyone, okay? So please don't tune out if you're not married. I believe that God has something for each of us here today because it really is God's story. And when God is in the middle of a story, he has something for each of us when we hear it. Anne and I first met Tristan and Lucretia at Camp Kuanos in 2019. Uh, there was an immediate connection uh, with them. They had just moved from Manitoba with their three kids, um, now they're 18, 16, and 13. The oldest is Addie, who's not here, but Tucker's here. Hi, Tuck, 16. And uh, Macklin, their daughter, is um, at a, a retreat this weekend. So we invited them after meeting them. If you're ever coming through Chilliwack, make sure you stop by. And it wasn't long before they took us up on that offer. And then from there, we had multiple visits back and forth between our place and their home in Crofton on Vancouver Island. Both Tristan and Lucretia work at Camp Kuanos. And uh, Tristan is also part of the Kaleo uh, program, which, um, um, uh, pardon me, he's also going to be a graduate of the Immerse program, which we were highlighting just a couple of weeks ago with Steve Lee, our Immerse student. Hi, Steve. So Immerse, Immerse, this is a great program where people can take their master's degree in a church ministry context. And uh, so Tristan is just about to graduate uh, this spring. And that's through our seminary with Northwest. And another little fact note here is that Dr. Joel Correco in our church is his academic prof. And so that's kind of pretty cool too. Lots of connections here. Now, Camp Kuanos is a focus that sometimes Tristan and Lucretia come here to share about, but that's not the focus today. It has to do with their marriage relationship and a journey they went through and the God's story and God's grace that healed their marriage after a severe uh, fracture. This is not an easy story to tell, and so I trust that you will handle their story with care and that you will pray for them as they share. I also know that many of us here in this room have experienced our own difficulties and hurts and fractures in our marriage relationships. I'm aware of that. And my prayer is that today will be used by God for good because he is a God who forgives. He is a God who heals. He is a God who restores. And God is not done with your story yet. He is a God of redemption. And so I pray that as we draw close to God today, he will have something for each of us. Tristan and Lucretia, please come and join me here. Thank you for being willing to share your lives with us today. And uh, yes, give them a round of applause. And we know that God will use it for his good plans and purposes, and so we trust him with that. And I will give you this mic, Tristan. 
Well, it is good to be with you guys this morning. Um, thank you so much, Rod, for the introduction. And, and it's true, we are actually friends of Rod and Ann. Um, he's not just saying that, we really do love Rod and Ann and we're grateful uh, to be here. You know, as we were uh, worshiping this morning, I just had this like thought. It's actually, maybe we don't think about this too much if you've been in church for a while, but but like this morning, Sunday morning is a chance to gather together as Christians you know, or people who are exploring Christianity all over the world. Like people are gathering together all around the world uh, right now at this hour. And it's really cool that we get to do this together. So even though we're not part of your church congregation, we're part of your uh family. We're part of the body of Christ, and we're so grateful to be here. We've been part of a, a church plant uh, in Duncan this year, as Rod said. Um, I'm, I'm working on my master's program. Part of that, I've been involved in a church plant. And that church that we were part of, it's grown to about 150, 170 people, somewhere in there in just a year. But the space that we were meeting in just this morning, or just last week, we found out we can't meet there anymore. So uh, that church is meeting at Camp Quanos this morning. And uh, it's cool that the church, this is all rambling, but it's cool that the church isn't just a building, right? Like it's a group of people that gather together. And so we're really glad to, to be with you guys here this morning to share a little bit of our story. Uh, and like Rod said, you know, it's a story of marriage, but actually even bigger than that, it's a story of sin, forgiveness, and redemption which is all of our stories. So whether you're married or whether you're not married, like, like this is God's story for us. Um, so um, maybe I'll just pray and then we'll, we'll get into sharing a little bit what we've uh, prepared for you guys this morning. Um, God, thank you so much for uh, Sardis Fellowship and thank you for each person that you brought here this morning. Uh, Lord, we believe that uh, you want to speak to them and uh, we ask that you do, Holy Spirit. We invite you here. Uh, we know you're already present, but we just want to say you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome here in this place and we ask that you help us communicate your truth uh, well this morning. Amen. So yeah, like Rod said, my name is Tristan, my wife Lucretia. We are just about to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. And yes, we got married when we were 13, so it makes sense why we look so young. Um, but yeah, we're just about to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. We've got three beautiful kids. Tucker's here with us this morning. Um, but the girls are away. One of them is in Vancouver doing her lifeguarding uh, certification. The other one's at a youth retreat. Um, but we're really, uh, we're really grateful for what God has done for us. Uh, you know, I was talking with my daughter, Addie, this morning, and, and she just sent me this message. I thought, you know what, Addie, can I read this to the church? Because I think it's so important. It kind of sets us up well. Uh, she said, hey, praying for you and mom this morning. Um, you guys got this. Because we're a bit nervous, actually. Like, this isn't a, like, a super fun thing for us to share. Uh, you guys got this. Uh, she said, it's not your guy's story. That would have ended very different. Uh, it's God's story of his gracious redemption uh, that he gives so freely. So give all the glory to Jesus. Let me know how it goes. So anyways, uh, I do believe that, we do believe that this is God's story. So um, we're just gonna start with uh, reading a passage from James uh, because it kind of sets the framework for uh, where we wanna go today. Is Joel here? Oh yeah, hey Joel, I, I do know where James is. So I'm gonna get there right away. <laughs> All right, so James chapter one, here we go. It says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're be being tempted, do not say that God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. 
Oh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about how we got together. Um, like Tristan said, we were married at 13, and <laughs> no, they don't let that in Manitoba, no matter what people say. <laughs> We grew up in a small town, uh, ended up going to the same school together our whole lives, but I didn't really notice Tristan until I was in uh, uh, grade 12, and, and um, uh, suddenly this guy kept coming to the canteen where I was making pizza pops and selling chocolate milk, and, and he would come for one chocolate milk, and then a few minutes later come for a second one, and, and I kind of got onto him. I'm like, I think he's watching me. I think he's looking at me. And uh, sure enough, he was falling head over heels, and I didn't even know it. And um, so that's the start of our dating relationship. We did start dating in high school and ended up getting married just a few years after that. Um, right? There's, there's a few more parts to that. Uh, we ended up doing a YWAM DTS together in Australia uh, before we were married and uh, just kind of had our eyes set on Jesus, excited about serving him in our, in our lives. We both come from Christian families and uh, we were really excited about what God was going to do with us. And uh, we were part of our youth group and uh, serving in our, in our church together uh, the, first, the first little bit of our, our marriage. And um, yeah, that, that's kind of how we started. Yeah, and I'd say uh, early on in our marriage, like we were, we were Christians, we were walking with the Lord, and, and we almost felt like God was calling us into ministry, but we didn't really know what that meant. Uh, we had really no context for how that goes, and, and, and as we've gotten older, we realized, you know, any job that you do can be ministry, right? But we didn't know what that was supposed to look like. So, uh, you know, when we got married, I was working construction, I was building houses, Lucretia was teaching music, she's been teaching piano for many years, and, and uh, you know, we were trying to kind of get our lives going. And uh, like any married young couple, we were uh, talking with Nathan and Elena this weekend. Like when we first got married, like we had no money. Like we had a house, but when the door handle broke, like we did not have $20 until the next paycheck so we could fix the door handle. So, you know, that made things a little bit unsafe, but it was okay. Like we, we made it through. Um, but we were just trying to figure out life uh, like so many uh, young married couples do. And, and it was actually, I would say, it went really smooth for us for the first couple years of marriage. Things were actually maybe a bit easier than we anticipated. Some people said, oh, you know, after the honeymoon phase, like things get really hard. And they actually didn't really get hard for us until, um, until our kids were like, I don't know, five, six, seven years old, somewhere in that, in that age group. And, and then we realized actually marriage is more than just like being in love with someone. <laughs> it actually takes like some work. And as much as you hear that from other people, like until you are in it, you don't realize actually how much work marriage takes to keep healthy. Um, so after a few years of being married, we started to see some like cracks form in our marriage. And, and it, it happens to actually so many people, like your communication starts to break down between the two of you. You know, I'll stay in my lane, you stay in your lane, I'll do my jobs, you do your jobs, and we'll connect when we need to connect. But otherwise, like, let's head down and keep going. Because if you have kids and work and, you know, your other priorities and commitments, like it can get a little bit difficult, right? Like it can get a, a, a bit difficult to maintain a meaningful and healthy relationship. So we started to see some cracks in our communication. And then we started realizing, well, I, I don't actually know when this happened, but I remember thinking, you know, one time, like, we're actually not really friends anymore. Like when we were dating, like we were friends, we had a whole bunch of fun things that we liked to do together. But now I have my friends and she has her friends and we kind of do our, our own thing. And, and we weren't 
like making plans for the future. We were just kind of doing our thing. From that, um, we started to develop like some unhealthy habits. Well, when I say we, is it was me uh, starting to develop some unhealthy habits of like secrets. <laughs> you know, I won't tell Lucretia about this because she might get mad. And it started off, you know, with innocent things like, uh, you know, I'm going to go to hockey tonight and and uh, I'll just hang out with my friends a little bit after. And and uh, you know, she didn't really know the full extent of what we were doing, but but we were just hanging out, and maybe not doing some things that we should be doing. And, and then. And then the secrets started growing. And, you know, when we first got married, um, like, there wasn't an iPhone yet, right? Like, there, there was no such thing as smartphones. Well, maybe there was, like, a BlackBerry. But anyways, the phones in our lives, like, started to become, at least in my life, started to become something that was, like, oh, this is my, <laughs> this is mine. Like, this is my private space where I can talk to people or where I can look at things or where I can do things that Lucretia has no idea about. And so we started to, to hide it, or I started to hide it. Um, but we, we, in the meantime, like we were just busy planning our careers and our future. And, and uh, you know, I started going to school to become a paramedic because I thought that would be a great way to help people. I was always interested in medicine. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it, actually. Like, I really enjoyed my job. And Lucretia was enjoying her job. We were raising kids together. And then something happened. You know, like sometimes... Sometimes you bring things on yourself and you're like, oh yeah, I deserve this. And sometimes things happen to you where it's like, I didn't deserve this or this is going to affect me, but I didn't cause it, right? Sometimes we, in our lives, like there's sin that happens and we're like, yep, I'm guilty of that. And sometimes there's sin that happens and it's like, oh man, I didn't really want this to affect me. So, and we weren't perfect. I'm not saying that we were perfect, but um we, when we first got married, we, we started our marriage counseling, our pre-marriage counseling with our pastor from our church. And they said, can you guys like give us an example of a marriage uh, that you want to be like? And, and we said, oh yeah, like we were both uh, very sure of a marriage we wanted to be like. And it was my parents. Like we actually loved my parents. They were like, they did such a good job raising us and they loved each other. And then out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, after about 25 years of marriage, they decided we're calling it quits. We're calling it quits. And, and I can't tell you, like as I think I was about 22 or 23 at that time, like what that does to an adult kid. Like sometimes we think about, you know, young kids, like, oh, they'll get over it. They'll figure out how to live without mom and dad or kind of bounce back and forth. But, but for adults, you think, you know what, they're fine. They're on their own. And I think maybe there was a little bit of that with my parents. Like we've done our job, raised our kids. Now we can, now we can split up. And, and I don't want to like talk bad about my parents because I actually really love my parents and they did the best job that they knew how. But it actually really did affect us. It affected kind of our foundations. Like this was a marriage that we looked to and we thought, man, this, this is something that we want to be like. And then it just broke. And, and so we started wondering like about our foundations. Like what did we actually build our marriage on? And, and sometimes we do that in life. We build our, our marriage or our, our life kind of we look up to someone and we want to be like them. But when that foundation starts to crack, then you start looking for ways to cope. <laughs> you start looking for ways to cope. And, and we were just talking about this last night. We don't actually know uh, when, when alcohol entered our home. Like alcohol is never, when we were growing up, like it wasn't taboo, but it wasn't something that we would, you know, or our parents would talk about much. But as we got older, you know, maybe we went out for dinner and had a glass of wine, or maybe we brought some home. It wasn't right when we started, uh, when, when we got married, but it started a few years in. 
but then when um, some of the challenges started coming, it was an easy coping mechanism, an easy thing to kind of turn to to say, okay, this feels nice. And um, it actually didn't help anything. <laughs> it made things a lot worse. Uh, and, and for me in particular, like it started leading me down a really uh, dangerous path. Yeah, it didn't take long to notice as Tristan was mm, kind of substituting alcohol for other things that we had been somewhat practicing in our life. Like uh, we were part of a life group, we were part of a Bible study, we were part of uh, a church. And uh, over time, this wasn't quick, this wasn't a week or a month or even a year, over a series of years, um, you could just see him begin to pull away and, and crawl into himself and... Uh, just change. He just changed right in front of right in front of my face, and there was nothing uh, I could say. There was nothing I could do, or uh, no card I hadn't pulled out trying to reconnect and uh, trying to go back to where we had come from. I think uh, something just had broken inside of him, and he was very hurt. And it it was just it was a really really hard time. Things in our lives entirely changed. I started. Um, living like a single person as a married woman and going to church by myself and going to the life group by myself and um, raising our three kids with very little input. Uh, Tristan was, has always been an amazing dad and, uh, and, and then he wasn't and then he just stopped. It's like he tapped out and, um, but right in front of us and in front of the kids and uh, it was just a very, very dark time uh, in our life, so um, there, right, kind of as this was all happening, uh, a group of ladies in our church, some of the older ones, like 40s, 50s, <laughs> 60s, and 70s, even, they started this ladies' Bible study group. And I was a young mom at that time, and I thought, ah, oh, I think I need this in my life. And I started going to uh, every Tuesday morning. Uh, ladies Bible study and it changed everything for me. Our first study we ever did was on the book of David and I mean I just learned to read the word and like let it saturate my heart and fill me with truth and when everything else was failing it was the one thing I knew for sure uh, and so as Tristan's life crumbled and broke and fell in front of my face, uh, I felt like my spirit was just being strengthened. Like my whole world was affected. I wasn't like, oh, this is fine. No, 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 no. Like it was so deep. But uh, but also I was like, I was standing and, and I was going to be okay. I knew I was okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, meanwhile, Lucretia was going on the right path. I was quickly going on the wrong path. And, and you, you think that you can hide some things from your kids. <laughs> and I just remember, uh, you know, our kids were younger. And, and I would love to, you know, just sit down, watch a hockey game or football game with a drink. And, and uh, I would often drink, like, whiskey and Coke. And, and one time I poured it and got, you know, had my first sip. And I realized that my oldest daughter had dumped it all out and filled it with apple cider vinegar <laughs> instead of whiskey. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I think she has an idea what's going on here. <laughs> and it, that was maybe the first time I realized, I wonder if I have, like, if I have a problem. It, it wasn't just, you know, evenings. Now it was becoming afternoons and mornings and, you know, if I, during the night if I was up late. And, 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 you know, the thing with, like, addictions is, is they don't ever stop, right? It's not like it suddenly just stops and it's like, okay, we've got enough of you. Um, it actually keeps, like 
pulling you down into this pit. And, and I don't think alcohol, like this is not an anti-alcohol like talk, but I don't think alcohol in itself is the worst thing. But for me, it was a really bad thing. And I think we actually have to be really careful with how we use it. But, you know, after a few years of this, um, I started to live a little bit more independently. And I started to, to make decisions apart from Lucretia. I would stay at work a little longer, you know, after and go out for drinks with my friends or, or I'd go on weekends away with some of my coworkers. We'd go snowboarding or to different sports events. And, and after, not after too long a time, like this, um, this introduced an affair into, into our life or into my life. And, and it was like I was looking for something and I just couldn't, um, I couldn't grasp it. No matter where I was looking for love or acceptance or help, like I couldn't grasp it. So I was looking for all different types of um, people and things to help fill that hole. And, and it, it started leading me down an even darker path. So it, get, it kept getting harder. It kept getting darker. Uh, I knew it. I knew all this stuff was happening. And I would go on the computer and I'd see this and I'd see that. And, and I would, uh, yeah, it was, I was not in the dark and I wasn't surprised. But, uh, but there was a Christmas a few years ago. It was just the worst Christmas ever. I think um, we were still together unhappily and, and uh, just kind of suffering through it. And, uh, and Tristan, I don't even remember, I don't think he even came to my family gathering that Christmas. And it was just a really strange, uh, tight Christmas. We're, it was about to implode. And sure enough, a few days later after Christmas, um, one night, Tristan just stood outside on the driveway and he said, I'm done. I can't. And I'm out. And he got in his truck and he drove away. And there's a part of my heart that was just like, oh no, like... I'm officially single. I don't want to be single. And like our kids, they don't have a dad anymore. Like I knew he wasn't, this wasn't going to be like, I knew it was over. Like it, it was, it was such a long and slow burn that there was just nothing left. And, uh, I went into the house and I think it was seven, around seven in the evening. And, and, uh, I said to the kids, dad, dad left, dad, dad's moving out right now. He, he's gone. This truck is gone. And they were young and and I said, whoa, what, what do we think? What do you guys think we should do? And we went to the alcohol cupboard and we just dumped everything down the drain. We just dumped it all out. And uh, it was kind of a time in my life where I committed, I'll never have this in my house again. I don't know, is this entirely its a fault? I'm, I don't know, but it played such a disgusting role in our life that it was uh, nothing I'd ever want to play with again. And uh, it was very easy to say, that's enough, this is it, it's not happening here anymore. And so as much as part of my heart was shattered that my marriage just ended, um, there was also a great relief. Uh, being home in that toxic environment was really hard and it was uh, not, a, not a safe or comfortable place to be. Uh, but now it could be that again. And so I actually really started to enjoy life without Tristan. And uh, our neighbors next door had a big greenhouse. And one day the kids and I wandered through the woods and we found ourselves there. And we said, hey, can you guys give us a tour? And we never left. We just stayed there. We worked all spring. Uh, they welcomed our kids in to help flip plants and cut things. And um, as a greenhouse does, it just nurtured my heart back to life. And I loved watching things grow. And 
And uh, it was just kind of a new page. It was my own thing, something that we had never shared. And uh, and God used it, used it as a tool to draw me closer to him. So uh, I also started planning uh, a way for me and the kids to take our first trip. So we were squandering money away and putting it in a jar. And, and I knew I was going to buy myself a motorhome. And we're going to travel all the way to BC. We're going to go see the mountains. And uh, that was going to be the following summer. So I was, I was dreaming. I was making plans and uh, in a very... A healthy mindset, I think. As much as I was sad and mourning uh, our failed marriage, I was doing really well. And meanwhile, I thought I was doing really well. Uh, you know, I got myself an apartment in Winnipeg, which is about, I don't know, 45 minutes from where we lived. And I continued, you know, working and, and uh, now I had a little bit more free time on my hands, a little less accountability. And, uh, you know, as that goes in our lives with more free time and less accountability, things continue to deteriorate. Um, I remember walking down the street one day, St. Mary's Avenue in Winnipeg. I can remember this so clearly. I had my my corded headphones in, not like before they had AirPods, like the actual attached to my phone. And I was listening to country music, had a bottle of Jack Daniels in my pocket and drinking. And it was a nice sunny day in March. And, and I just remember saying this like kind of one-off prayer. I had not prayed or read a Bible in a very long time. I'd kind of like left that um, behind while I pursued other things to fill me up. And I remember praying this prayer, God, um, I'm pretty sure the way that I'm living isn't the way that you want me to live, but I'm actually helpless to change it. So if you want to do something, like this is up to you. Otherwise, I'm going to carry on. And sometimes we say prayers and we don't realize like the implication that they're about to have. So uh, this was definitely one of those times. That weekend, I had went out to a bar uh, with some of my friends, like we often did, and, and stayed late. And it ended up getting quite intoxicated, and uh, to the point where I don't quite recall all the events that happened that night, but I do remember that I got into a fight and I hurt someone uh, really badly. And uh, I went back home uh, to my apartment and passed out. Uh, I woke up, I don't know what time it was, three or four, five o'clock in the morning to somebody pounding on my door. And uh, I kind of crawled out of bed and, and I wondered who was there and I looked through the hole and it's the Winnipeg Police Service. They have some questions for me. They wanted to chat. And I was trying to remember what all happened. And they said, well, come on in. Uh, we'll just, we'll bring you in for some questioning. And so, okay. I had never like been in a situation like this in my life. Like I was a, I was a good person. <laughs> I was an upstanding citizen. I was a, a dad with three kids and a good job. And uh, all of a sudden I find myself uh, being uh, handcuffed and brought into a police station. They asked me a whole bunch of questions. They threw me in this cell and they said, uh, well, we're going to have to uh, wait for the judge to take a look at the charges that we have against you. And so we sat, I sat in there by myself as a small little cell by myself for a few hours. I had no idea what time it was. I wasn't allowed to like call anybody. And, and um, uh, I remember like it must have been later in the afternoon or evening. They said, we're not going to get to your case today. We're going to have to bring you into the remand center. I said, the remand center? Like, are you serious? And they said, yep, we have no other place to keep you here. Now, I had been to the remand center before on the other side, you know, when, when the ambulance comes in and there's a problem in, in, the, in the jail, I had been on that side. And 
I know that it was not a nice place. It was not a very friendly environment. Uh, it's where people go who are awaiting trial and you have all different kinds of characters in there. So they brought me in. It was late at night and I hadn't eaten and I hadn't slept. I was very scared. I was very nervous. And I remember they stripped down my clothes and then they gave me some new clothes and they said, go hang out in that cell over there until we're, until we're ready for you. And I looked in and there was like, probably 16 or 17 very bad looking dudes in there. <laughs> and I'm like, I do not fit in with those guys. Like they're going to kill me. And I remember for the first time hearing God's voice, like for the very first time, like you, I was far away from God, but I, I remember him saying like this story to me uh, from when I was a kid in Sunday school, like the Sardis kids are out there hearing stories right now. Like this is like, remember that story of Daniel and the lion's den? It's all going to be okay. Just go in. So I sat in there and, and it was a few hours and you, they had to hold you in there until they found a cell for you upstairs. But it was like three o'clock in the morning and it's not a clean place and you're laying on the floor and, you know, wondering if something bad is going to happen to you. Finally, they, they called me upstairs and they locked me in this cell. And uh, I felt a little safer because there was just two of us in there now, me and then I got crystal meth addict underneath me making all kinds of weird sounds. And, you know, there's like hair on the wall and blood and like it's disgusting. Like it's a disgusting cell. And I just thought like, how did I end up here? Like, how did I end up at this point in my life? Like, what were the, the path like that I took to end up here tonight? Like, this is so not who I am. And so I remember like just trying to get through that night, like just till it was morning so I could see things like, you know, uh, the sun came up and, and they said they would come get me in the morning and the judge would hear my case. And, and it was, must've been seven o'clock cause the sun came up and nobody was coming to get me. So I waited a little bit longer. There's no clocks or anything. So finally I pressed the intercom button <laughs> on the thing. And, uh, they said, what do you want? I said, well, I'm just wondering if somebody's going to come talk to me. And they said, we'll come talk to you when we're ready to come talk to you. And I realized, oh man, I'm not in control here at all. So probably by about noon that day, they came in to get me and they said, unfortunately, we've lost your paperwork and you're going to have to stay in here another day. And I realized like, what? Like, how can you lose? Like, I got into a fight with somebody like, this is not a big deal. And actually like the night before when I was in that cell with those guys, everybody asks like, hey, what's your charge? What's your charge? What's your charge? And I said, I got into a fight with someone and they started laughing at me, you know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had this, 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 and this, like, don't worry, this is nothing. You'll be out of here in time. And I got away with this, this, and this, and this is my sixth time. This is my seventh time. And I was scared. Like, I was wondering, like, how is this all going to unfold? And I hadn't eaten and I hadn't slept. And now it had been about, I don't know, 40 hours. And I just remember praying my second prayer, God, like, I need, a, I need something to like distract my mind, like something to take my mind off what's going on. Like I didn't have a phone, <laughs> didn't have anything to do. And so I remember they, every hour they would open the doors and you could walk out and you know, kind of be in the general area. But I never wanted to do that because there was very interesting people uh, there. So I stayed in my cell. One time I, I, I had to go to the washroom or something. And as I walked past the bathroom, there was a banana box. Like, you know, those banana boxes. And it was filled with books. And on top of the banana box was a Bible. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, I wonder if I should read that. So I took it back to my cell. And it was coming into the night. And I, I realized, man, I, I should probably, like, read something here. Like, get my mind off everything that's going on. So what do I read? 
well, I wanted to know the end. So I wanted to read the book of Revelation. I thought that's a great book to start with as you're reading the Bible. And I knew enough about the Bible. Like I knew the story of it. It wasn't like brand new to me, but something happened. So if you can picture the scene, I'm sitting on this top bunk. There's a guy underneath me making all kinds of weird noises. The, the walls are dirty. There's a toilet like that's just like a, a metal stall. And I, I'm, I'm sitting on the top bunk and I'm, I'm reading. And I get to Revelation chapter 3. And this has never happened to me before. Um, and maybe not even since to this extent. But I get to Revelation chapter 3 and I read this passage. And it says, I know all the things that you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. And I felt like God was like speaking directly to me through his word. And then it says this, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want, which is true. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified from fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you'll not be shamed by your nakedness. And I look down and I'm wearing these gross prison clothes and ointment for your eyes and you'll be able to see. And then he says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. This was like a call. <laughs> like he was calling and saying, I have something for you. And then I kept reading the next verse. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. And I couldn't believe that. Like, I couldn't believe that, like, Jesus would come in and share a meal with me, like, right here. But it was like he was, he was inviting me back into a relationship with him. And then something happened that's never happened before. It never happened since. I, I remember, like, this voice in my head saying, Tristan, you think you're in here for a charge of an assault? I've got a list of charges against you. And it was almost like this scroll, like a long scroll that went out underneath the door with like everything written on there that I had done in my life, like every sin, every way that I had offended God, I had hurt someone. And it was like so long that I couldn't see the end of it. And I realized, man, I've got a lot of things uh, that I've done wrong in my life. And there's no way to correct them. There's no way to, to fix this. So I finished reading the book of Revelation, and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to read a little shorter book. I'm going to turn to 1 John, because <laughs> I liked what Revelation had to say. It was written by John. I'll read what else he has to say. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess uh, our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive them. And I remember just sitting there for hours that second night, confessing sin after sin after sin. And some of you guys have experienced this before, but it's like this weight comes off, like little bit by bit where you just feel lighter and you feel like, actually, he's taking this away from me. Like he's taking my sin away from me. After I was done, it was morning on the third day. And I just remember praying. I said, God, like, I really need to get out of here. I, I do not like this place. And, and I promise if I get out of here, I'm never going to touch alcohol again. Like, I'm just going to leave that part behind me. Some things we have to cut out of our lives. So sure enough, in the morning, uh, they called me up and they said, yeah, you're free to go. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. We'll have a court date later on. Um, but you can go home. And so I remember leaving and not knowing where to turn. Something like significant had just happened. Like I felt lighter. I felt freer. 
but it also felt like I have all this stuff that I'm going back to that's broken and I'm not sure how to piece it back together. So I, I had a phone call and I didn't know who to call. So I called Lucretia. <laughs> I said, I'm in trouble. Can you help? I said, no. <laughs> no, your problems are not my problems. Um, I did. I did say no. I said, if you, uh, and I hung up and then he called again and asked for help. And I said, no, but if you're in trouble, why don't you call my dad? That's a good person to call. And he did. So uh, I was surprised. I was like, oof dodged a bullet, carry on with my day. And um, uh, five minutes later, my dad called me, Lucretia, good morning. Hey, dad, how's it going? He's like, good. Uh, I just got off the phone with Tristan. I was like, oh, impressive. He did call. Well, that's great. And he's like, yeah, get ready. I'm going to be there in a few minutes to pick you up. We're going to go get him. And like, my world crashed. I was like, no, dad, no, 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 no. I just, I actually had just uh, filed separation papers and he was served that weekend. So this was not going to be a, a me thing. And I said, Dad, if you want to go get Tristan, go get Tristan, but I'm not going to get Tristan. And my dad said, Lucretia, you said, till death do you part. You said you would love him till the day you died. And so I don't know how this is going to turn out, but you're going to go get your husband. And he picked me up, and we went, and we picked up Tristan, and... Um, uh, I, uh, I just made one little caveat. I said, Dad, I will come with you, but like not to our house. He's not coming back to our house. Our house is good right now. And um, so my dad could easily agree that that was, that was the way uh, we would go. So he didn't come back home. Yeah, if you can imagine a scene like going to your in-law's place after you've shattered their daughter's heart is not a good position to have to be in at that point in life. But they were like actually extending this, like it's actually hard for me to describe like this picture of grace that they were extending to me. And they were saying, hey, like we're gonna, we'll walk with you. We'll help you sober up and we'll help you get your life back on track. And, and I actually didn't know if our marriage was gonna um, continue. Like I, I thought that it wouldn't, um, but that wasn't my primary uh, purpose right now. Like my purpose was to get my life back onto a track that I knew was good. Like, like, I knew that Jesus was good. Why did I walk so far away? So I started getting involved with a church, not our home church, but another church where I could kind of get a bit of a fresh start. Because um, you can just imagine, like, if somebody from your church kind of walked away, like, it's hard for them to, to come back. So I went to this new church, and they just welcomed me. And, and I remember going to this men's Bible study on Wednesday mornings, and, and it, it was just transformational. Like, we talked about things like, how do we hear God? Like, how do we listen to him in prayer? Like, I had never heard of this stuff before, and it, it like, changed my whole life because I had this encounter where God spoke to me, but I didn't know what to do with it. And then I realized actually God wants to have an ongoing relationship with us. Like he wants to talk to us as friends and he forgives us and he loves us and he's got good plans for us. And so I thought, all I'm going to do is work on my relationship with Jesus right now. Whatever else happens, I can't control, but I can control this. And so here I am in the, my in-laws basement, waking up every morning, took coffee with them, <laughs> and they would start by reading their Bibles, so I would read my Bible. And, and, and some of my friends would come over, and, and they would just, you know, chat with me. And, and these were friends that were part of our life group, and, and they would just talk about what's going on in their lives, and I'd talk about what's going on in my life. But, but I didn't really know what to do with Lucretia. I really still loved her. Like, it wasn't that I stopped loving her, but I didn't know what to do with that. 
so um, I, I had lost my drivers. I had gotten a DUI um, the weekend before. So I'd lost my drivers, but um, the greenhouse where she worked was about a mile away. So in the prairies, straight across, like it wasn't too hard to walk to. So I, I, I started like hanging around the greenhouse a bit. <laughs> yep, he would, he's trying to suck up. He would bring me coffees and pick a flower from behind him and give it and try and strike up these conversations. And at first it was super awkward. It was really, I was really cold. I had no interest in him being there. And, and uh, my, the guy friend who owned the greenhouse, um, he said, if you, if you want me to tell him to get out of here, I'll make sure he never comes back. And I was like, hmm, all right, okay, okay. Um, but uh, what happened actually, as things grow in the greenhouse, uh, so did the first signs of true friendship in our, in our lives. We started uh, having these very small, uh, very short, but good conversations. Uh, and then even as time went on, they, they grew to longer, like we couldn't even finish the conversation. Uh, and then he would say, do you mind if I, if I walk to our house? We, were, we lived right beside the greenhouse, so he could walk the mile to our house, or my dad could even bring him. Uh, for, for our fire tonight, can we sit around the fire tonight, and, and then I, can I just hang out with you and the kids at, at our house at the fire, and then I'll go back to mom and dad's for night. And, and so we started to uh, reconcile our friendship at first. Uh, I made a list of like 13 things, 13 that would have to change before I would ever have a, a per, an intimate or a romantic relationship or a marriage re restoration relationship with Tristan again. And, and I knew like, I knew it couldn't happen. It, there was no way that stuff could happen. So I was feeling pretty safe and like, you know what? I'm so happy for you. You're gonna be a new person. Uh, God's forgiven you. I can see like you're turning into a beautiful person. I love this. Um, and that's kind of where I was gonna leave it because there's no way the 13 uh, list of miracles could happen. And we only have a few minutes left, so we're gonna have to wrap this story up, but we'll, we'll chat more at lunch if you guys wanted to stay for lunch. But, but meanwhile, you know, we're starting to become friends again, and I didn't know where that was gonna lead. Uh, I just know that God had done something great in my, in my life. My favorite Bible story is in Luke chapter seven, where the sinful woman comes and anoints Jesus' feet, you know, crying, wipes her, his feet with her hair, and, and you know, the Pharisees say, if, if only he knew who was actually doing this, like he wouldn't let her do that. And Jesus says something simple, he says, those who been forgiven much, love much. And I realized I'd been forgiven much and, and actually loved God very much because of that. But actually all of us have been forgiven much. And sometimes we don't realize that. Um, our marriage, like our friendships started growing from that point, but we weren't sure where it was going to go until your Sunday morning encounter. Yeah, one Sunday morning, I woke up, I was on my way to church, um, or going to be in a few hours, and I took a walk to the woods, and I could just feel uh, the Spirit just moving my heart and, and challenging me, and said, Lucretia, do you love me? And I said, oh, yeah, I love you, Lord, like, you've been so good to me, you're so faithful, and I can trust you. And God said, invite Tristan home. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> no, oh, or, or I found, I made a loophole. I remember quickly like making a, a deceitful choice in my heart where I was like, yeah, like in a thousand years. Sure, we can do that in a thousand years. And God said, um, invite him home today. Uh, like, like today, like this Sunday, you want me to invite him home this Sunday? And God said, Lucretia, trust me, just trust me. 
And that was like the furthest thing from what I was thinking or feeling. And uh, it was an absolute matter of obedience for me. And uh, it took all the courage in the world. I got in the vehicle and I drove to, uh, Tristan was having a family gathering at his mom's house. And I drove uh, 15 minutes to his place and, and I knocked on the door. Tristan, can I talk to you outside on the driveway? And my face probably looked just like this. Like, I am not happy with what I'm about to do. And he says, sure, of course. So he goes, stand outside on the cold driveway. And, and he's like, what, what's going on, Kresh? And I just said, I, I couldn't even look at him. I was like, do you want to come and move back home? <laughs> and your response was? <laughs> I was very excited, but it was also very weird. We had been apart for a while now. And we were growing in our friendship, but like living together is a whole new thing. Like... If you're married, uh, you know that when you're married, like you can't hide things. Like you can hide things for a little while from your spouse, but eventually they get found out. But, and now I was fully found out. Like everything was out on the table. Like there was nothing to hide anymore. And there was actually something really freeing and beautiful for me uh, to know that I was fully known by Lucretia and yet she still loved me. Like she, she fully knew all of my faults and yet she still loved me. And I actually think that's a picture of the gospel, isn't it? Like Jesus fully knows each one of us, like all of our problems, and he still loves us. He still says, come on home, come on and be with me. Let's, let's, start, let's start over. And that's a lot what our marriage uh, felt like. Um, we learned a lot of things. We learned a lot of things through this process. I, I'm not glad that we went through it. Like it was actually you know, one of these things that you bring on yourself, like you have to suffer the consequences of. And even like sharing our story this morning isn't fun. Um, but we actually trust that, that there's probably people here in the church this morning that are feeling some tension. <laughs> They're feeling some tension in their relationship with their spouse or maybe even their relationship with other people or even with God. And our story is, is actually a human story. It's a story of sin. It's a story of forgiveness and it's a story of redemption. And this is what God wants to do, not just in marriages, but in our relationship with him. He sees our sin. He fully knows us. He forgives our sin by the blood of Jesus. And then he redeems us and he invites us into a relationship with him. And it's really a beautiful thing. Being fully known and fully loved uh, is so freeing. Um, we didn't have to hide things. There was no more secrets anymore in our marriage. But some of you this morning are maybe feeling like, yeah, but we're not there. Or maybe you're feeling like, yeah, we already went through that and it's too late. Like something else has happened and maybe you got divorced and you're remarried. Or, or I, I don't know all the stories in the church, but I know that you're like any other church. You're full of imperfect people uh, just like us. But I do believe that God wants to invite you into something deeper this morning. Whether it's in your marriage, uh, that's practical, or whether it's in your relationship with him, uh, he wants to invite you into that, and he's got good things. He's got really good things. So we're celebrating 20 years of marriage uh, just in May. Uh, it truly is a miracle that God has sustained us through this. Like, we don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be married to Lucretia anymore, but yet there's this aspect of grace and forgiveness and love. Um, I guess we'll share some things at lunchtime, right? Some things that we've learned. Uh, and we would love to hear your questions. If you guys are, are wondering about, you know, your own marriage or our story, you want to know more, we're happy to, to chat during lunch or even after. Uh, feel free to come chat with us. But here's, here's kind of where I want to, 
where I want to leave us uh, with this morning. Um, you don't have to live whatever is going on in your life right now. If, if you're living the way like I was with things that are hidden and secret, like you don't have to live like that anymore. It's actually really hard to live like that, right? Like you're actually secretly hoping that somebody finds out so that you can deal with it. Um, it's actually the opportunity for you to bring it up into the open is there. And there's actually people around uh, here in your church, uh, your pastoral staff that want to walk with you through it. And, 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 and no one of us is better than any other one, right? Like each one of us is full of sin and failure and God still loves you anyways. And if you're stuck like in your marriage, like, and things are not good right now, like you don't have to continue living like that. You don't have to continue to live a miserable existence and just gut it through for the kids or, you know, just gut it through because we said we would. God actually has great things in store for you. A marriage, a marriage is like the closest relationship that God has designed for us in our relationship with him, right? When God created Adam, it was God and Adam, but then like the closest thing he gave Adam was a relationship with his spouse. And I think like that picture of a marriage and a family is actually a picture of what heaven's going to be like. So... Uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, Rod, yeah, Rod's going to come up and close, but Rod, should I pray or is that something you're going to do? You're going to do. We'll leave it to Rod. Yeah, round of applause. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.